This is EJ Manuel, and you're listening to No Cap Sports. Cap Sports audience, we have a special guest for you, somebody that I work with closely, what well, I worked with closely during my internship at Sirius XM, one of the most more decorated collegiate quarterbacks in recent minutes, and a Sirius XM ACC network analyst, EJ Mayo. EJ, how you doing today, man? Uh, also, first round pick NFL quarterback is where I am with you. Hey, trust me. We're going to get to it. I'm good, man. How y'all fellas doing? Good. I'm good. I'm good. Good, good. Most definitely. So just open up, we wanted to just kind of the little schedule that we got, we got planned out. Talk about a little bit about your football career, making the transition to broadcast, and then, you know, the way that you see, like, the playoffs and some of the quarterbacks going forward today. So, uh, first of all, I mean, honestly, you you, you created me real quick. None, none of the three of us had the experience of being a not only a first-round quarterback at a, for NFL franchise, but also a four- or five-star recruit attending Florida State University under the uh, legendary Bobby Bowden. Just speak on that experience a little bit and how – uh, you see your athletic journey so far, or how you saw your athletic journey in your career? Uh, well, first and foremost, thank y'all for having me. Um, you know, as far as my career, uh, it was it was fun, man. I mean, I look back to high school when I was, you know, going through the ranks. I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Shout <clears throat> shout out to the seven five seven where I come from, and um, you know, there's a lot of great athletes I grew up with: Percy Harvin, Camp Chancellor, Tyrod Taylor, uh, Tavon Austin. Played little league football with him. Uh, you know. Uh, Derek Nadi, who plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Sweat, that plays for the Eagles. And those guys are a little younger than me and end up going to Florida State. But I think a lot of times people don't realize that in that little small area in Virginia, um, there's a lot of great athletes, football and basketball, baseball too. So for me, the competitive level was extremely high at like nine, 10 years old. So when I became 16, 17, it wasn't anything that shocked me in the sense of like, okay, this is what I need to do to be ready to play or I can compete with these guys. I already knew I could because I was, you know, one of the best in my hometown. Mm, I got you. And so, you know, competing against these guys all throughout high school and then, like you said, climbing up the ranks. I know you had a lot of college coaches coming after you, a lot of programs looking at you because you were, like you said, one of the elite quarterbacks in that class in that area. So what was, just, what was recruiting like for you and what ultimately led you to Florida State? Nick, you know, it was – Fun, man. I mean, I look back on it. I ended up having 51 scholarship offers at the time uh, when it was all said and done. Um, you know, that process was different because I think you guys are much younger. You know, now you have all these apps and huddle and all these different ways to get your film out there. We didn't have that. You know, my dad was, you know, using an old camcorder with a VHS and, you know, he would make his own. We would make my own little recruiting tape at home. Uh, so it got the job done. And even my, my head coach in high school, Darnell Moore, he helped, my trainer helped, Anthony Stringfield. Um, so that part was fun. You know, as far as going to the camps, the combines, uh, one I remember that stood out was in New Jersey. I forgot the name of it, but I got the MVP. And uh, that's where all the college coaches were there. Jimbo, or actually Rick Trickett was there. 
who called Jimbo at the time. They were at Florida State. Um, I remember uh, I think it was Charlie Weiss was at Notre Dame. It was a bunch of coaches. Any coach you could think of, he was there. Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, all those guys, Philip Fulmer. And uh, I got MVP, and that's where my name got out there nationally, not just in you know where I was from or in Virginia. Uh, so I, I think the best thing that I did was get myself out there, and I wanted to compete against kids from the Northeast, from the West Coast, from the Southeast, and uh, you know show that I could be just as good as them. Um, but the recruiting process was a good time, and I had I was you know I, I was laid out the red carpet a lot of times, uh, and I'm thankful for it. I ended up at Florida State because of Jimbo Fisher, and uh, the relationship he and I built over the recruiting process time, and I trusted that he could help me get to where I wanted to be, ultimately, which was uh, to win a championship. Uh, in, in college, uh, didn't win the national championship, but won a bunch of bowl games and orange bowls and all that, ACCs, but also to go to the NFL and uh, all those things I checked off my list. You mentioned all the talent in Virginia and then uh, you went to Florida State. Who was the most talented offensive and defensive teammate you ever had and why? In, in college or ever? Uh, at any level. <sighs> all right, man, that's tough. <laughs> all right, so offense, I'm going to go – this might surprise people, but I'm gonna go with Robert Woods. And I play with some great Ooh. players. Um, play with Sammy Watkins, I, I play with uh, LaShawn McCoy, play with Fred Jackson, play with CJ Spiller. And this is my NFL career. And I played with some greats at Florida State and in high school. But um, I look back oh, and, and Woody was one of those dudes, he was a dog. You know what I mean? You could throw him a ball, yeah. be behind him, he was gonna catch it. Or if you, you know, handed a ball off to CJ or one of our running backs, Woody was gonna put his nose in there and block downfield for you. So I feel like he has, that quality, not just as a great hands receiver, but also a guy that can do the nitty gritty and block. Defensively, I would say, man, that's tough. Probably Khalil Mack when I was with the Raiders. Um, just seeing how freaky he was, how strong, how fast he was to be in that body. Um, I remember him picking up Eric Fisher with one arm and just throwing him on his butt, <laughs> going in for a sack. Uh, so just special stuff like that. But you know, at that level in the NFL, man, everybody is special at something, right? And so yeah. uh, for me to just kind of, off a short list or a short time to think of those two guys is tough, but I could have named a bunch of other players. Mm, okay. So transitioning from, you know, like your playing career to what you're doing now as a, as a media member, uh, what, was, what were some of the biggest factors that led to your retirement in 2019? Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about it a little bit in the break, but uh, just talk a little, if you could just talk a little bit more of that process of you transitioning from retired player to current media member. Yeah, so going into my sixth season, I was with the Oakland Raiders for the second, it would have been in my second year, uh, there with the Raiders. John Gruden became the head coach, uh, go through the training camp process. I felt like he was trying to give the backup job to Connor Cook at the time. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna just do the best I can, try to fight and win that battle. Uh, I won that battle. Um, we both ended up getting let go, but I know I won that battle. We played the Seattle Seahawks. You guys can look this up in the, in the, uh, in the preseason in 20, I think 18 or 19, whatever year it was, 2018. And uh, threw for like, I was like 24, 28, 255 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So I played a great game to cap off the preseason so I could solidify my spot. Two days later, I got cut. So surprisingly, I was like, all right, I'll get picked up by another team. Did a couple workouts, didn't get signed. Also, while I was training, tore my meniscus. And so I was like, you know what? What else is out here beside football? So my mindset was to create two opportunities for myself. One with the media, which is why I went to college. I got my degree in communications. The second was to continue my football career. So I did an audition with the ACC network. Uh, timing and God really was right on time because ACC was just launching along with ESPN. So that was right up my alley. Played at ACC at Florida State. Had a you know, successful college career. Won the ACC championship. So I knew, okay, this is a good lane to look into. 
did an audition, did a second audition, ended up getting offered the job. But while I was auditioning, I also worked out for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I got signed by Kansas City in February of, I think, 19. Um, so then I had two opportunities. I was like, all right, I could keep playing football, which I did. I went to OTAs through April up until like July. And then I ended up retiring to get out of that contract to take the ESPN contract. The main reason I did that is because I saw it as a longer term, better opportunity for myself. Um, the money was right. Uh, the situation was right. The traveling, uh, I could still live in my hometown. I didn't have to live in a specific city based off where I worked or where I played, like you do in the NFL. Uh, and it just allowed a lot of flexibility, man. So I wanted to flex another muscle. And to be honest with you, you know, in the NFL, it's a business, right? And so I'd already been experienced on playing very good and getting cut. So I wasn't going to deal with that again if I didn't have to. So thank God I had this second opportunity in the media. And then once I started TV, SiriusXM also reached out and got me an opportunity on radio. So I've been growing in both areas. But to be honest, man, I mean, I, I made the decision to walk from, from football. To be honest, I, I could probably still play. I look at guys that play now, and I'm like, all right, I could have made that roster. I could have been a backup here or whatever. But, you know, to me, it was more about my happiness. Uh, I'm happily engaged, about to be married, have a baby on the way. So, like, I was able to kind of start my real life and uh, kind of get out that hustle and bustle of football life. Yeah, I will say that. The fact that you can still play is definitely true because Trevor Simeon is starting games for the Saints. So definitely still a spot in the league for you. But uh, <laughs> talking about uh, talking about broadcast, and now that you're in the industry, just like can you just talk about like the importance of having black faces and diverse faces really in the industry and kind of like what you want to accomplish now that you're in the industry. Nick, it's so important, man. And when I took this job and at ACC Network, um, ESPN and AC or Sirius. I wanted to always be honest, but at the same time, I wanted to build guys up. I don't want to get on TV or radio and say, man, this dude is trash. He can't play. He can't do this. He can't do that. And a lot of times, you know, guys couldn't do it. You know what I mean? I've been able to do it. I've been in those rooms. I've been in those, in those situations. And so for, my, for me, I think it's extremely important for us to be up there representing each other, uh, to have each other's backs, also to have that relatability. You know, we come from the same neighborhoods. We come from the same backgrounds. And, you know, sometimes, people just can't relate to, to, to what we've been through. And, uh, you know, not to say you wanna make an excuse for anybody, um, but I just feel like, you know, each one teach one man. And when one of us get in the door, throw that ladder back down and help some other guys get in, you know what I mean? And I think that's the most important thing that I try to do to even share to young guys like yourselves. Um, always try to build those bridges, man, never burn them because you never know uh, when you'll need somebody, you know what I mean? And every time I did an, an interview when I was playing, I was always very respectful to people that were in the media, whether it was on radio or on TV. And I think now that I'm in the media space, I have their respect because uh, now, you know, I work with them. So it's all good. You just talk about like the importance of seeing those, those black faces, people that look like us doing it. You know, one of the quick, the quick questions I had for you, just wondering, you know, like you said, a lot of us, all of us having predominantly spent most of our time of our careers and our life as athletes, was there a particular broadcaster or a play-by-play -play guy that you looked up to when you're trying to learn the ropes, when you were learning TV, when you were learning radio, it was like, that's somebody I can kind of modern my, my articulation, my play style after. Yeah, I would say, I think his name was uh, Rod Woodson, um, played for the Dallas Cowboys, played, a safe, played safety. I want to say he might be a Hall of Famer. If not, he was, I know he was all pro. So I was a Cowboy fan growing up. And uh, obviously watching ESPN like we all did coming up and wanting them to talk about us and, you know, be on Sports Center. Uh, I just remember him as a player 
uh, that, you know, did a great job speaking, also breaking down the game. Um, but there's a bunch of guys, man, even Michael Strahan, who's another, who I would certainly say I look up to, uh, Nate Burleson as well, how those guys have transitioned, not just on the sport media level, but also on the regular, you know, national news, international news level, you know, to be working for CBS and NBC. Uh, so those are some of my big long-term goals. You know, I'm only 31, so I'm still young in the space. And, uh, you know, I kind of also like my schedule. I like to be able to have a real off season when I'm just doing football, but, you know, maybe 10 or 12 years down the road, um, I might look into trying to branch out if those opportunities are there. But I would say those three guys uh, I've certainly always looked up to. Well, I'm going to ask you about Florida State. So they're coming off a five and seven season, best recruiting class since 2017. And they have the number one overall superstar in uh, Travis Hunter coming in. Mike Norvell, he's a Memphis guy. You know, we're from Memphis. So got to ask, entering year three, does he have your vote of confidence? Yeah, well, first off, rest in peace to Young Dolph. Shout out to Memphis. Yeah, um, appreciate you know, it, appreciate it. Already, bro. And I, I would say he definitely has my confidence. I like Coach Novell. I think that with more time, he'll continue to bring in great recruits like Hunter. Um, and really, man, it's just about buy-in. You know, I think even you look at Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, you don't have to have four and five-star guys to have a good team. Uh, you just got to have guys that buy in and believe in what you're coaching them to do. So I think Florida State is on their way. I love Jordan Travis. I think he's grown so much. In, uh, in this position at quarterback. And uh, he's just gotten better and better and better each game. And uh, I think beside the recruiting, I think really important for Florida State is, is to really bring that offense around Jordan and, and build around him. We would be remiss if we didn't ask you about how you feel about the, the current state of college quarterback play, CFP, and uh, one of the biggest re one of the biggest things we had a continuous theme on our show was some of the disappointments that we had from the preseason guys uh, that you know, expect to have big outputs at the quarterback position. So uh, first thing I want to ask you about, you know, the CFP, the, the college football playoff, you got some people are calling it a boring matchup. I said it too. You talk about Stetson Biddick, K. McNamara. Um, but how do you feel about all the quarterbacks in the CFP overall? You're talking about Bryce Young and the Desmond Ritter as well. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it depends on what you consider a weak matchup. For me, I, I like it. I know a lot of, a lot of viewers will probably want to see C.J. Stroud in there and uh, but I, I like Desmond Ritter. Um, I like Kate McNamara. I just feel like a lot of times Michigan doesn't ask a lot of him. Um, but I think if whoever they play in that first game, if they take away the run game, uh, he'll certainly have to make some plays with his arm. Uh, but Bryce Young, I think he locked up the Heisman in that last game versus Georgia. Uh, so I still think we'll see some good matchups, man. I mean, it, it's, it's beyond the quarterback at the CFP because you want to you see defensive guys too. I mean, you got another Heisman finalist, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, who will probably have a chance um, to go and be the number one and number two pick in the draft. Um, and then even if you look at Cincinnati, you talk about a team that has a lot to, you know, to prove, you know what I mean? As a group of five team, always kind of been slept on, not really getting an opportunity. So I'm excited for it. Um, but as far as a quarterback matchup, I would probably say, based off what I've seen, I'm going with Bryce Young, uh, you know, over, over the other three. Yeah. And so last thing, you know, kind of expanding out to the whole realm of college football, if you were, you know, an NFL team in the draft, which quarterback are you taking first? And while looking at guys like Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Sam Howell, which guy are you taking? It's tough. I mean, this is going to sound like a homer, but I would take Kenny Pickett, and I only say that because he has so much time on task. Um, I think every young quarterback should at least have a chance to sit behind a veteran or at least have a veteran as his backup to, like, really show him the ropes of how to be a pro uh, more for off the field versus the on the field. On the field will come and you're gonna make mistakes anyways, but you need to learn how to go through the week of practice, how to go through the week of preparation. 
Um, but I would say I would take Kenny Pickett mainly just because he's played at Pitt for a long time. He's gotten better each and every year. So you can imagine if he stays on that same trend, he should continue to get better. Uh, but I would say a close second is Malik Willis. I love him. I love his play. I think he has the attributes to be a very good quarterback at that level. Um, and I also just want to see him play with other good talent around him. Not that he didn't have it at Liberty, but, you know, that level compared to NFL level is not the same. I appreciate y'all. God bless y'all. If y'all ever need anything from me, just holler at me. That was a serious XM, former first-round quarterback, uh, former decorated Florida State legend, EJ Mayo on the podcast. And uh, yeah, EJ gave us some great insight, somebody that I've worked with extensively and uh, has a really good mind for football, but also as a, as a black man in this industry. So we appreciate his time. And y'all check us out, any streaming platform, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We out of there.